Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What do the President, Mickey Mouse, Pope Francis, and Queen Elizabeth all have in common? Well, they'd all respond to a wedding invitation with regrets. What if the President, the Pope, Queen Elizabeth, what if they all invited you to a wedding reception? What if they offered to pay all your expenses, send a private car or plane for you? Do you think you might accept their invitation? Would you clear your calendar, put off that minor surgery, have your hair done or have your hair implanted? Would you go over your wardrobe, buy some new jewelry? In November of 2009, President Obama and his administration held their first state dinner. It was in honor of Indian Prime Minister Manmaha Singh. Many people were invited to attend. No doubt, no one turned the president down. And the guests began to arrive. Many rich and famous, you know, the beautiful of society, the powerful in government. And maybe you remember that one couple showed up who were not invited, Tariq and Michaela Salahi. They made their plans, they rented a limo, even had a film crew filming their arrival at the White House. They passed through security and even shook hands with President Obama before they were ushered out of the party. Jesus tells a parable about an invitation to a wedding party. A king is putting on a wedding feast for his son, and he sends out what I imagine would be a very ornate, beautiful invitation, inviting his friends, the powerful, the wealthy in his kingdom, to celebrate with him the marriage of his son to a beautiful bride. The king makes all the preparations. The entire palace is cleaned from top to bottom. The grounds are made immaculate. Every delicacy is lovingly prepared, and the very best wine is brought out of the cellar. And when everything is ready, the king sends his servants out. He sends them to go personally to each one of the guests on the list and announce that the feast is ready, and they may come and rejoice with him. And one by one, each of the servants return, with the news that those who were invited have turned down the invitation. The king can't believe it. He sends out more servants, and these servants never return. And maybe this time a letter comes by camel post. Thank you very much for your thoughtful invitation to attend the upcoming wedding feast of the royal prince. Unfortunately, I will be at my desert property on that day as I have some new goats to look over. Otherwise, I would surely be there. I'm sure it will be a great occasion. Please convey my regrets to the king and extend my warm congratulations to the happy couple. P.S. I have killed your servants. Sincerely, duly offender. A little shocking, right? And we should be shocked. Jesus is speaking to those who are in opposition to what God is doing in his Christ leaders that are in charge of leading God's people. They're supposed to be caring for the people and preparing them for the coming of God's Son. But instead, they're just out for themselves. 
See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention, and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. This is more than a slight. It's a full-handed slap in the king's face. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And this parable is more than just a a made-up story. It's a historical reality. Those invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb did refuse, did treat the prophets shamefully, and then killed even God's Son. And in 70 AD, Rome came and destroyed the city of Jerusalem and burned it. Though it was once very beautiful, it was now a desert place. And the historian Josephus, who who witnessed its destruction, said that no one who had known the city would have recognized it afterward. Then the king said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. Go to the main roads, and that word, main roads, in the Greek there, uh, is likely referring to the place where the roads leave through the city walls. And these would be the best places for poor beggars and the lame and the blind to sit and beg. Imagine the joy and the consternation as the lowest of society were invited to attend the wedding feast of the prince in the king's palace. And now the wedding hall is filled with helpless, with the poor, with the ugly of society. Notice that in the parable, those originally invited the wealthy, the influential, the powerful, these were not worthy. Then the hall is filled with the dregs of society, and and they are worthy. But then one is found in the hall who is not worthy, and he is thrown out. Jesus said to the Jews in an exchange just before our reading today, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. You see, those who are worthy of the feast are those who believe Jesus, who believe that he is the Son of God sent in the flesh of Adam to redeem Adam's flesh. Those in the parable who were invited did not believe Otherwise, they would have accepted the invitation. The poor, the needy, the dregs of society, they believe, and they come to the feast. The prostitutes and the tax collectors, the sinners of the world, these are the ones invited, and all who recognize their need for forgiveness, who don't rely on themselves, but on God, these are the ones who accept God's gracious invitation. Who are the ones 
worthy of God's invitation to join him in heaven at the wedding feast of the Lamb. Well, have you sinned this week? Have you been angry with your spouse or with your child? Have you disrespected your parents or had lustful thoughts? Have you been less than honest or downright dishonest? Have you talked about others in an unflattering way? Have you been dissatisfied with what you have and longed for what God hasn't given you? Have you in any way transgressed God's holy law? We all have. This is not news. And have you been baptized? Have you had your sins washed away in that blessed flood and been crucified with Christ? Have you come today to confess your sins and receive absolution? Do you intend to come to the table of the Lord when you are able, sorry for each of your sins and pleading with God for mercy because Christ's body was broken and his blood was shed for you? Have you received then the pure and spotless wedding garment, the robe of Christ's righteousness in exchange for your own filthy rags. If so, then you too stand in the wedding hall of the King, by faith now, but one day soon in glorious physical reality. You stand with thousands upon thousands in joyful song, singing praise and giving honor to the God who loved you and gave himself for you and clothed you with his wedding garment. Verse 11 continues, But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. The temptation for us is to rely on our own clothing, on our good intentions, on our good works, on our outward show of religious sincerity, to convince God, well, I mean, really, to convince ourselves that we are in God's good graces, that he's happy to have us at his wedding feast. But Jesus is clear in this parable. Only those who are wearing the wedding garment, only those who are clothed with the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ can participate in the wedding feast. Where did God's invitation find you? How did you come to be invited to the feast? In a few moments, you'll be confessing, I believe. But how did you come to believe? Was it through baptism, where faith was given to you as a gift? Did you then grow up in the church, your faith increasing as you heard the word of God, as you participated in the sacrament? Or did you just hear his call in the gospel, the good news of Christ's redemptive act in the death of Jesus on the cross for you? Either way, it's a gift. 
It's quite a gift. This parable that Jesus teaches is a parable of terrible judgment. It's a parable of inconceivable grace. That God would go out into the streets to find you. That a righteous and just God would provide a way to remove your sins from you. Would offer you a white robe in exchange for your sin-soaked scarlet one. That unexpectedly, undeservedly, God would invite you to the marriage feast of his son. This is God's favor gifted to you. This is his great love for you. This is his amazing grace. In the name of Christ, amen.